Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A new bipartisan congressional caucus studies where to store nuclear waste. The, the creation of the caucus was one of the key recommendations made by the San Onofre Task Force. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. A conversation with San Diego Congressman Mike Levin on his new caucus on nuclear waste and the upcoming congressional investigation into the January 6th insurrection. And we'll have the weekend preview with highlights on ballet and new plays. That's ahead on Midday Edition. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The safe storage of nuclear waste is apparently one of the few issues that can get Democrats and Republicans working together on Capitol Hill. This week, San Diego North County Congressman Mike Levin has announced the formation of a bipartisan congressional caucus to explore solutions to the spent nuclear waste problem. The issue is close to home for Congressman Levin. His district includes the former San Onofre nuclear power plant, where more than 120 canisters of radioactive waste are now buried on the grounds of the old facility, close to Oceanside and just 100 feet from the Pacific Ocean. Joining me now is Congressman Mike Levin. And Congressman Levin, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You know, finding a place to store waste from San Onofre and other nuclear sites is an issue that's been battered around Washington for years. What can this new caucus do that hasn't been done before? Well, I think that uh, you're right. This issue has come and gone over the years, but we really need a forum for members uh, who care about solving these spent fuel issues uh, to come together to uh, to have that discussion, keep things top of mind and uh, not to necessarily elevate one preferred solution or policy position over another, because not all members of the caucus are going to agree on everything. And that's okay. 
But convening members that care about these issues, I think, uh, will help expedite federal action. And, uh, you know, this was the, the creation of the caucus was one of the key recommendations made by the San Onofre task force that I assembled when I got into office in uh, 2019. And I'm really grateful to uh, the co-chairs of that effort, uh, former uh, Navy mayor of San Diego, uh, retired Rear Admiral Len Herring, and the former head of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, Greg Yasko, who came together and they made a number of recommendations, uh, some federal, some uh, state and local. But one was create a caucus. Let's begin a new dialogue among members of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, uh, because, as we know, the environment around San Onofre is unique. We've got nine million people within 50 miles. We've got active earthquake faults. We've got sea level rise. Uh, but the challenges surrounding the spent nuclear fuel that are located there, uh, those are symptomatic of a greater problem. And the greater problem is we have about 80 locations in 34 states across the country where you have spent nuclear fuel that is stored. Uh, after it's uh, been uh, removed from a commercial nu commercial nuclear power plant. And uh, you've got really a nationwide challenge, and we have to come to some solutions, whether it be a permanent geologic repository, uh, consolidated interim storage site or sites, uh, or both. Uh, we've got to move the needle. And having that dialogue, bringing in the experts, having uh, members of both parties come together, I think is key to making that happen. And you're working, as you say, with Republicans on this issue. Is there much of a political difference in how both sides are approaching the problem of nuclear waste? Well, I think both myself and my co-chair, Rodney Davis of Illinois, we both agree that the current system of spent nuclear fuel storage is not sustainable, particularly for sites that uh, no longer have operating reactors, you know, like San Onofre. He has the, the Clinton power plant in Illinois that is still operational. But when you have a situation as we currently do, it is a violation of uh, something that was codified decades ago in the Nuclear Waste Policy Act, all the way back in 1982, that the federal government would take title to this waste all across the country in return for ratepayers' contributions to the Nuclear Waste Fund. And uh, that has simply not happened. The federal government has failed to meet its responsibility. And so you have no place in the entire U.S. for the disposal of high-level radioactive waste uh, of spent nuclear fuel. And we're going to work together in a bipartisan way to try to address these challenges because we've got, again, all across the country, uh, stranded waste, and we need to help fulfill the government's responsibility to take title to it. Uh, so we're going to work on a bipartisan basis as best we can. We're going to try to seek solutions. As I said, we're not going to agree on everything, uh, nor would I expect to. But what I do think we share uh, is that basic premise that the federal federal government needs to step up and do its job uh, as it uh, has supposed to do for decades now, Marine, and has not. And is one of the goals of the Spent Nuclear Fuel Solutions Caucus actually to select a spent storage disposal site? Well, that process uh, will move forward uh, in, I hope, in parallel path with continued discussion among members of our caucus and meetings of our caucus. There are a number of things that need to happen. President Obama had a blue ribbon commission uh, that he put together that said, we really need to think anew about a consent-based process for a permanent geologic repository. Uh, some of your listeners might be familiar with Yucca Mountain in Nevada. I've actually been to Yucca Mountain myself, and uh, that project was stopped uh, around, around 2009 for a lot of different reasons. So we lack a permanent geologic repository in the United States, and we need a consent-based process to get there. Uh, at the same time, 
we need consolidated interim storage because the the uh, selection and licensing and eventual development of a permanent repository could take decades. And we cannot, in the interim, uh, keep spent nuclear fuel at reactor sites. Uh, we've got degradation of many of the canisters in various locations across the country, including San Onofre. And, you know, the canisters were not designed to be at these reactor sites uh, in perpetuity. So we've got to do both permanent repository and interim storage, and we've got to uh, come to the table and do all we can to move as quickly as we can. Now, the caucus will also be exploring recycling spent nuclear fuel. Where is the technology at on that? Do we know? Well, we continue to invest, uh, and I'm a big supporter of of that investment in uh, things like small modular reactors, uh, other potential power plants that can actually use spent fuel from the legacy fission plants across the country can use that fuel in a productive way to generate more electricity uh, without generating additional environmental risk or additional uh, uh, waste from that uh, secondary power plant. So those are all encouraging and exciting developments. Uh, longer term, of course, there are things like nuclear fusion, which uh, you know some of that work is going on in Southern California. Uh, it's not an either or. In other words, uh, Uh, We need to do both investment in research and development for nuclear power, and we've got to figure out the existing spent nuclear fuel challenge for the legacy of plants that we have across the United States today. Congressman, let me ask you a couple of questions about what else is going on in Washington. There have been rumors that because of the increase in COVID cases, the White House and the CDC are considering reintroducing masking guidelines for vaccinated people. Do you think that would be a good move? Well, I think we need to follow the science, and I I give great credit to the Biden administration for doing just that, uh, not trying to get in front of the data. And uh, what we know from everything that we have been briefed on in uh, recent days is that the Delta variant, while very concerning and, uh, you know, very problematic uh, for people who are unvaccinated, nevertheless, for for those that are vaccinated, it's far less of a risk. Uh, You do hear anecdotally, I have heard anecdotally about breakthrough cases, and we're all very concerned about that and want to do everything we can to mitigate that. But uh, I will leave it to our House attending physician, Admiral Monaghan, to the speaker, to House administration to determine the path forward. Uh, at least it comes to the Capitol. And then as far as the White House goes, I would not you know, get in, the, in front of telling them how to run the White House. But I, I'm pretty sure they're going to follow the science just as they have been over the last several months. I'm just wondering, with the sharp rise in cases, are you giving any advice or urging your constituents to mask up again? Well, it's interesting. We had our office opening this past Saturday, uh, opening a new campaign office in Carlsbad. uh, And we uh, did ask everybody there to be vaccinated. But in an abundance of caution, we had about 200 people there and virtually everyone decided to wear a mask. And I think everybody has to decide what's best for them, particularly those with uh, perhaps respiratory conditions or other uh, compromised conditions, whether their immune system is compromised. Everybody has to make that determination. But I think the overwhelming point is that the vaccines are incredibly effective, including very effective against the Delta variant. So if anyone is listening to this and has not been vaccinated, I encourage you to do so right away. Uh, A bipartisan effort that has fallen apart is the House commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Now, with a commission made up of only Democrats and a couple of hand-picked Republicans, Do you think it's even worth moving forward on this investigation? We have to get to the truth of what happened on that day. And uh, I give great credit to those Republicans 
willing to stand up and talk about what actually occurred. Uh, Liz Cheney and others uh, have echoed the need for a somber uh, investigation where we get to the truth, uh, because there's still quite a bit that we don't know about that day. The New York Times recently did a pretty detailed video recreation based on uh, cell phone accounts and, and body cameras of what happened. And for me, that raised more questions about the response, the, the uh, time, the delay of uh, a number of hours uh, between when uh, insurrectionists uh, originally breached the Capitol and uh, when the National Guard and others were able to retake uh, the Capitol. And I was uh, not far at all from uh, the, the gallery. I was in my office in one of the House office buildings. And honestly, to this day, I cannot believe that uh, so many people were able to breach the Capitol in that manner. We have to, have to do everything possible to understand what happened and also to do all we can to prevent it from happening again. And that's why it's so frustrating that we have yet to see the Senate take up our uh, $2 billion plan to have the resources at the Capitol necessary uh, for the Capitol Police and others to prevent a similar incident from occurring in the future. We, we passed it in the House, we sent it to the Senate, and the Capitol Police is about to run out of funding. And they have failed to date to, uh, and, and I think Mitch McConnell in particular has failed to recognize the gravity of the situation and work with Senate Democrats in a bipartisan way on the very basic notion that the Capitol Police should be funded and they need a supplemental appropriation to harden security throughout the Capitol complex. So my hope is that they can put politics aside if just this once and get this done because we cannot have another incident uh, occur as occurred on January 6th. And we're gonna learn more from this commission uh, in a somber and serious way in the months ahead. I've been speaking with Congressman Mike Levin. Congressman Levin, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's always great to be with you. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This weekend, City Ballet returns to the stage. There's a chance to check out brand new works of playwriting in person at the La Jolla Playhouse. There's an art exhibition made of plants and a collaboration of visual art and music at the Casbah. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts editor and producer, Julia Dixon-Evans. And welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. So City Ballet kicks off their new season this weekend. Tell us about these shows. This is not only the first in-person season for them. After what's been a pretty productive virtual pandemic season, 
but it's also their first ever season in the summer. It's usually an off season or a festival season or teaching season for dancers. So this seems like a nice gift for the dancers as well as for the audiences. And kind of to celebrate that, each of the shows this weekend will have a reception outdoors with the dancers and the whole company as well. And what will they be performing? So they're doing two new pieces. There's choreography by their own Jeff Gonzalez, who he often does really emotive and powerful stuff for them. And City Ballet does this blend of classical and contemporary ballet from everything, the choreography, the costumes, and the music choices. So one of these pieces this weekend is called Unbroken, which is about resiliency. And the other is Within the Hourglass Desert, which is a reflection on time. I've seen tiny bits of rehearsals for these two pieces, and they look really fantastic. Okay, City Ballet returns to the stage with two shows at the Horton Grand Theatre downtown tonight and Saturday night at 7.30. The La Jolla Playhouse is offering free performances this weekend, part of their DNA New Works series. So, Julia, what can we expect? DNA New Works, it's a two-week festival, and it just kicked off this weekend. They're doing readings of four new plays on site at the Playhouse, and this weekend's works include Sumo by Lisa Sanaya Dring. Sumo is set in a sumo wrestling training center, and it, it follows six men who have who've committed to this tradition, this lifestyle. And there's another play, All the Men Who Frightened Me by Noah Diaz. This one is a playhouse commission, and the story follows Ty, the main character. Uh, When his wife finds out that she can't get pregnant, Ty decides to wean himself off of his testosterone to carry the baby himself. And many of the characters in the story are actually in the forms of hauntings of men from their past. The DNA New Work series runs through next weekend. This weekend, All the Men Who Frightened Me takes place tonight at 7.30 and Saturday at 2 p.m. And Sumo is Saturday night at 7.30. Now, for Green Thumb art lovers, you're recommending an unconventional solo exhibition in a new spot for the more unconventional side of art. Tell us about what's on view at Trash Lamb Gallery. Yeah, this is a shop and gallery in South Park. And right now they're showing work by artist Britton Newbacker. She's a former dancer and also has roots in the punk and DIY scene and not necessarily in the the trained art world. But what she does is these incredible sculptures. They use things from the natural world, like animals and plants. And she'll build these incredibly intricate sculptures using succulents planted into skulls, like like a form of plant taxidermy. And at the gallery, there's fine art photographs of these sculptures, plus some of the actual sculptures. One is this massive piece with mosses and grasses, and then tiny bones and teeth sticking out. Also, the gallery has a stack of magnifying glasses, so you can get way up close to see all the detail. Britton Newbacker's exhibition In the Middle Between This and That, Guardians of the Fertile Void, is on view through August 8th. Trash Lamb Gallery is open Thursday through Saturday, noon to 6, and Friday, noon to 5. In the music world, the band The Color 49 is holding a record release show tonight at the Casbah, but there's a special visual art connection here. Tell us about their new animated music video. The Color 49, they worked with two collaborators from from Mexico on a song, musician Ruben Albaran, and then 
border artist, Hugo Crossway. I just profiled Crossway this week. He's one of the recipients of the 2021 San Diego Art Prize, and his work is great. He's a draftsman, so everything he does is drawing. He's very improvisational, meaning he has a general idea of what he's doing, but the process of making the art informs a lot of these details. One of these trademarks is stop-motion animations. They use the process as a part of the story in fact, he won the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery competition in 2019 for an animated portrait he did of a migrant. His work really challenges the idea that visual art has to be static. Uh, Hugo Crossway illustrated and animated this song, What Would I Know, for the color 49. He used a handheld camera to take something like 700 photos per drawing, and it kind of looks like a ghost is drawing them on the page. I talked to Crossfade a little about this process and what inspired the video. So just by reading the lyrics immediately, I you know, I could already see it in the video. You know, I could see the imagery that I wanted. You know, uh, this idea of um, of how um, you know, in a way, love is interrupted by this border, and then love always triumphs over the border, but then the border comes back. And so that it's it's this idea of, of this this constant struggle of things trying to come together then being torn apart by this very geometric element of, of a line, of a border. The Color 49 will perform at the Casbah tonight in a fundraiser for the museum school. Doors open at 8.30 and the performances begin at 9.30. Their music video for What Would I Know, a collaboration with artist Ugo Crossway, is out on all platforms today. For details on these and more arts events and to sign up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans. And as always, thank you, Julia. Thank you, Maureen. Have a great weekend.
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.